And we are live for another great edition of That Sports Show. Not just any sports show, not this sports show, That Sports Show. Impact Media's weekly dive into the world of all things sports. Especially with a local flair here in the Atlanta area. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. Welcome in. As always, before we get started, I would like to tell you that if you are interested in contacting the show or leaving us a rating, review, comment, question, suggestion, any of those sorts of things, if you want to send us a picture of you listening to the show, that's even better. You can do so the following ways. You can email us, 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the number 3, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E, at gmail.com. You can search for us on Facebook. Impact Media, That Sports Show, Jeremy York, any of those should find us. If you're one of those people who likes to just click a link and listen to a show, you can do so by going to Twitter, as long as it's still there, and going to at Team Impact Media. You can just scroll through, find the show you're looking for, and click on it and listen to your heart's content. Listen multiple times. Great by us, too. Uh, If you want to follow myself for um, things with the show, things away from the show, all kinds of fun activities and things we get into, things I think are interesting, you can do so by following at TheImpact99 on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram. And, of course, you can find us anywhere you can find a podcast, including Podcast One, the iTunes Store, Spotify, and many other locations. If there is a place you regularly find a podcast and you cannot find us, please let us know. We will fix that accordingly. Lots to get into tonight. Well, could be a little bit of a shorter show. Definitely did not want to wait this late to do the show, but I still wanted to get a show out for you guys. Our regular our regular time slot uh, about mid-next week or so will be when you hear the next That Sports Show. And uh, we'll have tons of stuff and follow up on a lot of things here. Uh, things I want to get into, let's start. Let's start right there with uh, the NFL. The NFL um, has, has a lot of fun stuff going on at the current moment. Uh, one of the biggest things happening is that the... is that the, gosh, who are they playing? I know it's the Bills, and is it the Browns? The Bills and the Browns. They're going to play at 1 p.m. on CBS. And uh, this game was supposed to be in Buffalo, but because of a, I wouldn't even say freak snowstorm, because of an actual snowstorm in Buffalo about this time of year, they get those. Uh, They are moving this game to Detroit. And from what I saw, there were already a ton of tickets sold to find the actual number there is a number that I swear I saw let's see if we could find that number 
there it is. I'll give proper credit. Thanks to Adam Schefter for the information. There were 56,000 tickets sold in less than 48 hours to the Cleveland Buffalo game in Detroit. Uh, mostly are going to be Bills fans, of course, but uh, 56,000 tickets in two days. That is uh, just just an incredible number. And, you know, these kinds of things happen. And I'm very glad that they were able to immediately see what could happen. And they said, you know what, let's, let's go ahead and do the uh, correct thing, which is to move the game. And so they moved the game. No harm, no foul. And time moves on. I still say take the Bills. And, uh, you know, with, without taking a shot at, at Detroit fans, because Detroit fans have been showing up a lot more this year, um, when you get a chance to see one of the best teams in the league, you take that chance. So people who may not normally go to Lions games are going to go see Bills, the Bills play, or the Browns, maybe like the Browns. But um, fantastic work by the NFL and staff to get all that going and make the right decision. Um, not a lot of, not a lot of, of, uh, other real crazy things going on in the NFL at the, uh, the current moment. Um, I mean, I guess you could, you could get into the Daniel Snyder stuff, and I, I guess we'll do that real quickly before we do a Falcons preview. Uh, the, the big thing here is that... We know that Daniel Snyder is uh, has inquired with Bank of America Corporation, him and Tanya Snyder, that is his wife, who has been, up until his reinstatement has uh, been, or up until his time away ended, he has, they have inquired about the potential sale of the team. Now people immediately thought that this is, oh, he's trying to sell the team. Maybe he is. Keep this in mind, though, and that is that he is inquiring with um, a financing institution in Bank of America. Bank of America is not personal loans and uh, sales and things like that normally. I'm not saying they couldn't handle that. I'm just saying there's a chance that he is inquiring because a he wants to sell a minority stake like he he had minority stakes so he had to buy them out because they uh, all wanted out after three times ago shenanigans or you do like um Steve Bashotti did with the Ravens and you start you start with a minority stake and maybe it's a 6 year plan where every 2 years you buy a bigger portion and a bigger portion to where you are finally majority uh, stockholder at that point. Maybe it's 17% a year. 17 times 3 is 51. That would give you 50.1% gives you controlling. But, you know, just let's say 16 and a half, 17. You know, somewhere in there. Maybe he's wanting to do that where he slowly lets go of uh, controlling interest of the team. Or 
Maybe he's not selling at all. Maybe he's reaching out to find out what this team is worth on the open market, seven, eight, nine billion, whatever that number could be, so that he can finance a stadium that the team desperately needs. Now, here's the other thing. First off, what kind of person would want to be a minority stake unless you had the potential to buy? With Daniel Snyder, he seems to be... Um, he seems to be just nuclear. You need to stay away from him for all the bad uh, bad clouds around him. But two, there's already been places all around that have said, no, we will not work with him, including, I believe, the D.C. area have said that they will not work with him on a new stadium. They know they need a new stadium, but they will not work with him. They refuse to do that. So... Now we just have to wait and figure out what exactly his motives are with trying to use Bank of America to see what this team is worth. Those are those are really the three options. And like I said, to recap those three options, they are for uh, to see what the team is worth in case he wants to sell it, to see what the team is worth so that he can try to sell a minority stake, uh, to see what the team is worth on the open market to finance a stadium. Those are really the three things that it could be. There could be other options, but those are the three main ones. Um, knowing Daniel Snyder, it's probably the stadium, and if it's not the stadium, it's the minority's sake, because he has always held on to, he wants to pass this team along to his kids. I don't think his kids are quite ready to take it over. I think they're still the younger variety. But it doesn't matter if they were able to take it over. Um, at some point, the NFL is going to find a way to edge him out. Maybe he takes a couple owners with him. Uh, we don't know. We'll have to see that. But for now, as per usual, we just have to kind of sit and wait and see what Dan Snyder and Tanya Snyder are going to do. Like I said, my guess is that he's trying to get a stadium out of this. But We'll see, because the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, they all want Jeff Bezos as uh, part of their uh, billionaires club. And this is the perfect opportunity to edge Dan Snyder out, Dan Snyder to get a nice payday on the way out, and to have Jeff Bezos be in the NFL's billionaire club. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Let's talk a little Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons are going to welcome in those Chicago Bears, those suddenly surging Chicago Bears, on Sunday at 1 p.m. in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. you got 4-6, and six, or what the Falcons are right now. The Bears are 3-7. and seven. And What has led to their turnaround? Well, quite plainly, Justin Fields. They basically got to a point in their season where they said, well, nothing is really working, so let's just kind of let Justin Fields be Justin Fields and run around a bunch if he wants or whatever and just, just kind of cater more things to him. What a novel concept to cater your offense to your quarterback and what he does well. And, well, Justin Fields has um, just exploded for like three, four, five hundred yards on the ground and similar in the air in uh, previous weeks, in the past few weeks. He is actually their leading rusher with 104 carries, 749 yards, and six touchdowns. 
Of course, he's their passing leader with uh, almost 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. I know what you're going to say. Well, 12 touchdowns, 7 interceptions is not amazing. Well, that's the exact count that Marcus Mariota has. He's just a slightly better passer, and he's thrown for a few more yards. Those are similar numbers. The difference is Justin Fields is doing it on the ground, too. Uh, that's not going to be sustainable, and, and they know that. Uh, Darnell Mooney, being the top receiver, has, has helped them a lot, 464 yards on a touchdown. But the Bears know you might could do this for this year, but you are, you are probably not going to be able to do this a lot going forward. They're going to continue to build around him. So what do you do about that? As far as injuries, are there any key? Uh, Nikhil Harry is going to be out. Dane, uh, Dane uh, Krukshank, the CB, is going to be out for them. Um, A.J. Terrell is questionable. Felipe Franks is not going to be in. Let's talk a little bit about the way these teams are going to match up. The Bears currently score 21 points a game and allow 25. It tells you why they're 3-7. and seven. You want to know why the Falcons are 4-6? and six? Well, they're pretty similar. They only score two more points a game in 23, and they allow the same 25. That's why you're 4-6. and six. You lose a lot of close battles. It happens. They are pretty similar in total yards. 350 for the Bears, 335 for the Falcons. The Falcons aren't known to put up a lot of big yards. That's not part of their game. Um, the rushing yards are a little skewed for the Bears because in the last few weeks, they have uh, exploded because of Justin Fields, but they are averaging 200 rushing yards a game and 150 yards passing, which is not a lot at all. And our Falcons are putting up about 335 yards a game, which is 160 on the ground, 174 in the air. Once again, not not terrible, but not great. Need that passing number probably up closer to 200. That extra 25 yards could matter. And it, and it could have meant the difference in a couple of those wins, a couple of those losses. Uh, what the Bears do allow a lot of is, well, not a lot. The, their defense has actually been quite good this year, even though they traded away their two best players in Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack. They currently only allow about 212 yards passing and 142 yards rushing, whereas the Falcons give up 289 yards passing and only give up 120 on the ground. So our run defense is is doing really well. The pass defense, well, you've had a lot of injuries in the defensive backcourt, so, you know, only so much you can do with that. So what can the Falcons do? to win this game. I, first off, I hope the roof is closed because I don't care if it's pretty or not. It's going to be about 46 degrees at kickoff. The Falcons are a three-point favorite, which means this is a dead-even game on a neutral field because you get three points for being the home team usually. And at minus three, that means they pretty much get the nod. They think these teams are even. I think these teams are pretty even too. My three keys to victory for the Falcons over the Bears. First off, you're not gonna you're not gonna stop him, but contain and control Justin Fields. Do not keep him in the pocket. Make him beat you with his arm, which he can do, but not as good as he can with his feet. If you keep him from being mobile, keep him pinned in the pocket, 
your day is going to go a lot easier. Number two, I think you control the clock, you pound the run, you do everything you can to slow this game down and keep him off the field. We need these 9, 10, 11, 12 play drives that take up 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 minutes. You know, that, those kinds of drives. And number three, you've got to win the turnover battle. It's an issue that the Falcons have had. Sometimes they put the ball on the ground. Sometimes Mariota likes throwing to the other team as opposed to his own. You've got to win those turnover battles. And if you make the Bears make mistakes, you will defeat them. But that's my three keys to victory. That is 100% what I think you should do. Uh, number one, remember, control Justin Fields. Control and contain. Uh, number two, uh, you've got to uh, run the ball and control the clock and uh, score when you're doing these big, long drives. And number three, you got to win the turnover battle. I think if they do those things, then I very much think we will be talking about a Falcons victory next week on the show. But that will wrap up our NFL and Falcons coverage for now. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk F1, talk a little Hawks, and, of course, the World Cup that is about to fire up tomorrow. And uh, until then, here's a message from our friends at BetOnline.net. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline where the game starts. And we're back here on that sports show. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. They have the betting lines, the wagering lines. They have the articles. They have the podcasts that make you a better fan, even if it just means you're the smartest person at the water cooler, smartest person at the family reunion. You know, it's about to be holiday time. You're going to be debating over who gets the last drumstick, and whether the Jets' defense can stop the Patriots. You guys know you're going to be debating this. You can learn all this extra information and more at BetOnline.net. Make sure to tell them that Impact Media sent you. They love hearing that, and we love hearing from them that you told them that. Now, as I said, the World Cup will be starting, I believe, tomorrow. Yes, uh, Qatar or Qatar, however you want to say that, uh, is going to face Ecuador tomorrow at 11 a.m. That's actually going to be on FS1. That's one of the few games. We're going to get a handful of games that are at decent times over here in the States. But uh, good for Qatar. We know we've heard all the bad press. I'm sure there's some good things going on over there as well. I hope they have a decent event. And I hope everything goes well. Uh, that's the kickoff, as I said. Uh, but here's how some of the groups shake out. You get Group A. Uh, you get Qatar, Ecuador, 
the Netherlands and Senegal. Um, more than likely, I would say the Netherlands will probably win that group. Group B, that I actually call the group of death, that's usually the one where three or four teams are really, really good. You've got England, you've got the U.S., you've got uh, Iran, and you have Wales. Why is that the group of death? Well, Iran is just good enough that if you let them hang around in a game, they could knock off a, a victory here or there or you know, keep you from winning by getting the draw. Wales is good enough to do the same to England or U.S. They're good enough to beat them on on uh, a given day. And then uh, England is the powerhouse. The U.S. is probably the default number two. This is one of the more complete teams, but we haven't seen the continuity between the U.S. So it'll be interesting to see. I think England and U.S. will probably get out of Group B as, as the, the people going on to the knockout stages. But if Wales sneaks in and steals one of those spots, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, group C, you have Messi and Argentina in his last World Cup. You have Mexico, you have Poland, and you have Saudi Arabia. Um, Argentina and Mexico should be the ones to advance out of this, although Poland has a chance. Saudi Arabia is uh, probably just excited to be here. Um, I, I would say Argentina is a perennial favorite to win the whole thing. Probably them, England, um, maybe Brazil or Portugal. Those are the teams to watch. Uh, we'll go to Group D. You got France, Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia. Uh, Tunisia sneaky can be sneaky good, but uh, France and Denmark will more than likely advance out of this. Australia would probably be the three, with Tunisia being the four. Um, but not a lot of people are real sold on what the French have done lately on the pitch. So you know, if Australia sneaks up there and steals that spot, then hey, it's a kind of a big upset. Group E will be Spain, Croatia, Japan, and Germany. I would say Spain and Germany are the favorites to advance. Uh, Japan's sneaky good, too, though. They could they could be the spoiler in a lot of this, and, you know, never know. Maybe Croatia causes a draw and causes uh, some disruption up at the top. Group F. Group F. You've got Canada, you've got Belgium, Morocco, and is that Croatia? That's Croatia there. Who did I mean to say at the other one? Costa Rica. Costa Rica is actually in Group E. And the same thing, though. Croatia and, and Costa Rica are teams that can sneak up and potentially steal points and cause you to be, fir or to be second instead of first or third instead of second. But uh, Morocco, Croatia, Canada, and, and uh, Belgium. More than likely, Belgium and Canada are the ones to advance from Group F. Uh, never know about Morocco. Keep your eye on them a little bit. Group G, you got Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. Um, Brazil and Switzerland are the perennial favorites, I would say. Uh, Cameroon could be sneaky good. They could sneak up there and steal some points or maybe steal second place. We'll find out from there. And then lastly in Group H, Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. Um, I would say Portugal and probably maybe Ghana. Uruguay is pretty good too, but I would say Portugal and um, I'm going to put Ghana as the two. But Uruguay, and this could almost be a group of death too, because all four of these have potential to uh, put some points up.
But the World Cup kicks off tomorrow, as I said. Um, first U.S. The U.S. will play Monday at 2 p.m. on Fox. They will play Wales, and that will be must-see television. We will DVR it here, and I will happily watch that when I get back to the studio that day because I will not be here at 2 p.m., unfortunately. Um, should be should be a good matchup. Is there some other ones coming up? Uh, Germany-Japan on Wednesday, 8 p.m. on FS1. That could be fun. And uh, Belgium-Canada, 2 p.m. on Wednesday on Fox. Those are some fun ones. Um, look for those. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk a little Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks, just tonight even, win a big game in overtime as Trey Young finds A.J. Griffin all alone under the basket at the buzzer as they win in overtime versus the Raptors. That was here at State Farm Arena, so fantastic victory there. What have our Hawks done lately? Well, Trey Young is starting to heat up a little bit. DeJounte Murray has continued to be super the superstar that we traded for and we thought he was going to be. Uh, you know, they did drop a stinker to the Celtics, but they've beat the Bucks twice this year. They lost a little bit of a stinker to the 76ers, uh, but they beat them the night before. They lost a close one to the Jazz. Um, they, like I said, they've beaten the Bucks twice, and the Bucks are the best team statistically in the league. So I like a lot of what the Hawks are doing. They're slowly getting the pieces in line. It looks like they may try to um, dangle maybe John Collins or somebody into a trade market. It, they're trying to pick up that last piece. And uh, right now, Trey Young is still the points leader with 26.9. Clint Capella has 11.6 rebounds. The assist leader is Trey Young with 9.3. DeJounte Murray has is averaging two steals a game, and Clint Capella has 1.4 blocks a game. That's your actual leaders. Uh, I'll tell you right now that DeJounte Murray also averages 21.3 points a game. Uh, DeAndre Hunter's at 15, John Collins at 12, Clint Capella at 11, and uh, Akongwu at 7. They're, they're all doing pretty good. They're all averaging about, about the same uh, 30 to 35 minutes, depending on who they are. Um, you know, DeJounte Murray, 21 points a game. Uh, six rebounds, seven assists, two steals, uh, a couple turnovers. Those things are going to happen. Um, but he has definitely been the, the key number two piece to Trey. It's just Trey has, has been a little slow to warm up this year. But I like where this team's at. I mean, right now they are... They are first in the Southeast Division... They are third overall in the Eastern Conference. They're only a game and a half back of Milwaukee, who they've beaten twice. They are three games back of Boston, who is just riding a hot streak. And if you look at it, they're the fifth best team. They're tied for fifth with Memphis. I think they hold a tiebreaker. But they're the fifth best team in the league behind Boston, Milwaukee, that I said, and Portland and Utah. And they're tied with Memphis. I have no problem with, I have no problem with them being in uh in that position 
they do have a couple games coming up to finish out the month. I will just get into the ones that get us into uh, midweek. As on Monday, they will go to Cleveland to face the Cavaliers, 7 p.m. tip-off. 7 p.m. tip-off on Wednesday. Uh, no, 7.30 tip-off as they will host the Kings, you know, get in some basketball before uh, either to entertain people in town or before you go out of town or before you eat all that turkey on Thursday. Um, and then uh, those are the games before we have the next show. So, um, and actually, there's a chance we do the show before that Kings matchup anyway. But um, I like where they're at right now, and I think you should too. They're doing some really, uh, really great things. So, as a good friend of the show, Steve Holman, might say, Go Hawks! And finally, let's talk a little Formula One. Formula One was in Sao Paulo, Brazil, last week for their next-to-last matchup. They will be in Abu Dhabi this week. We'll talk a little bit more about that after we talk some Brazilian racing. Uh, Mercedes started one and two. Maybe that was a little, maybe that was a little um, foreshadowing. Could they hold on to it? It went Russell and then Hamilton. Uh, it was Lando Norris's birthday. Happy birthday to him. He started in sixth. Um, early on, Ricardo and Magnussen got into each other and spun each other out. This was on lap one. It pretty much took Magnussen out of the race, and Ricardo just kind of hung towards the back uh, kind of from there on out. Uh, that The restart was on lap six. I don't know why it took five laps, but it did. Six of the 71, where uh, Russell was still out in front. You had uh, Verstappen and Hamilton that had some contact and got into each other. And uh, Verstappen was not very excited by that. It ended up dropping him a little further down. And uh, he, he was not the world's happiest camper about that. It's understandable. He's, you know, he's, even though he's wrapped up, the points and the team championships, constructors, i.e., still wants to get out there and win more races and do the best he can, which will play into a part a little later. Uh, Leclerc and Norris got into each other. Lando giving uh, Leclerc, Leclerc a, uh, uh, a birthday shout-out, or a shout-out that it was his birthday, I guess, but um, they ended up, they ended up uh, continuing in the race. Uh, the pit cycles were starting around laps two, 22 to 26. Um, Norris on uh, lap 52 spun out, and uh, there was a yellow flag there with a virtual safety car. Uh, it just uh, it just looked like the car just locked up on him, and uh, it pretty much you know didn't go well for that being pretty much the end of his day. Um, past that, after, after that, after Norris kind of, uh, caused the virtual safety car, we restart the race and it basically ends pretty clean. It was a pretty clean race. That's a fun track down there. Your winner and first time ever winner of a Grand Prix, let alone the Brazilian Grand Prix, George Russell, George Russell. I told you guys all year long and I know it was easy to say that, but I said, George Russell's going to win a race this year. 
and it just happened to be Brazil. Uh, his teammate, Lewis Hamilton, was second. Carlos Sainz was third. Jean Leclerc was fourth. And uh, Alonso was fifth. Um, there was a time towards the end of the race where Red Bull kind of let Verstappen know, hey, Perez is, is trying to come around you, let him around. And Verstappen didn't. He said, no, we talked about this. And um, that led to a little bit of a, a misunderstanding. They have since worked it out, but uh, there was a lot of conversations going on post-race between Red Bull and Verstappen and Perez. Uh, it just uh, Checo got done dirty there because he should have let him come around and get a few more points to help him out. It, like I said, Verstappen has things locked up. So, uh, But that is what it is. Going into the final, I mean, some people are still trying to jockey for positions here because constructor finishes, constructor teams finishes. Uh, there's a there's a you know ten ten to twelve million dollar difference in kind of prize money or what you'll get towards next year in where you finish sometimes. So um, right now, Verstappen driver wise is at four twenty nine. Jean Leclerc is at 290. He is tied with Checo Perez, which is part of why they wanted Checo to go around because now he's just got his flat-out beat Leclerc this week to take second place, and there would be a 1-2 podium finish for Team Red Bull. Um, George Russell is at 265 as he just, just passed Lewis Hamilton, his teammate. Carlos Sainz is at 234, and the top six are pretty much locked. But then you get Lando Norris, and you get um, you get uh, you get the Acones, you get the Alonzos. I mean, they're they're all a handful of of uh, points just behind each other. They're kind of jockeying for those positions. When you go to the constructors, you got Red Bull at seven nineteen. They have it locked up. But then you get Ferrari, who is at five twenty four, who has stumbled. Uh, as of late, only 19 points behind them with 505 is Mercedes, who, if they have another strong finish, could take number two. Uh, Alpine at 167 is holding down fourth, but right behind them at 148 is McLaren. And then you get to the next bracket, which is Alfa Romeo with 55, Aston Martin with 50, Haas with 37, Alfa Tari with 35, and Williams holding down the fort with. Eight. So there's a couple there's a couple teams that could leapfrog and go up into um, another position, and that is uh, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get up there. You do get a little more mm, prize money, so to say, or money to play with next year to upgrade uh, your facilities, your cars, maybe pay your drivers, things like that. That. Um, those few extra million could be the difference, and maybe next year they finish fourth instead of fifth, or first instead of second. You never know what could happen, but uh, they're all going to be trying their best to finish high and finish strong. As the last race of the year, as I said, is the uh, Etihad Airways, I hope I'm saying that right, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix at the Yas Marina Circuit in Abu Dhabi. Your defending champion is Max Verstappen. Imagine that. Uh, this race is going to be on Sunday on ESPN2. 
at 8 a.m. Uh, here locally. That's on the East Coast. It's going to be fun. Uh, everybody's kind of jockey for position at this moment. Uh, qualifying for stopping is first. Sergio Perez is second. Leclerc is, or it's Charles Leclerc. I don't know why I keep saying John Leclerc. Charles Leclerc has is in third. Carlos Sainz is fourth, and Lewis Hamilton is fifth. In fact, can I get a full list? Because where is George Russell on that? He he won last week. Where is he this week? There he is. He is sixth right behind uh, his teammate, Lewis Hamilton. Now, Lando Norris, who continues to have a, uh, a jam-up year, he is in seventh. Alpine's uh, Esteban Ocon is uh, in eighth. I hope I'm saying his name right. Aston Martin's uh, Sebastian Vettel, as this will be his last race of his career. He is retiring. Is in ninth, and uh, McLaren's Ricardo, this will be his last race with McLaren, is in 10th. And I believe it's Kevin Magnussen's last race with Stuart Haas, or with Haas Racing. Uh, he qualified 16th. We'll see how he does from there. But always a good time. These races have been fantastic. I try to get you NASCAR fans to watch F1. I try to get you F1 fans to watch NASCAR. There's a lot of similarities in the two. They're both super excited, and racing is fun. You guys know that. But that's going to do it for us this week. Shout out to all you amazing people that make it so much fun to come on and talk all things sports. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. This has been another great edition of that sports show. We'll see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.